Guys, we just had a conference last week. We broke new ground. We experienced something that we've never experienced before. And I don't know if y'all fully grasped this or not, but we raised $27,000 to rescue 27 girls. And that rescuing process, let me give you some perspective. That's not just rescuing them from the sex, sex trafficking uh, uh, crime that they are experiencing. That there's a SWAT team that goes in, rescues the girl. They actually persecute and arrest the individual that was uh, the criminal involved with that. Then they actually restore and re rehabilitate that young girl so that she can actually have an education. She can actually live on her own and actually have structure in her life so that she can have a sustainable lifestyle afterwards. That's what we did last week. We, we didn't just come together and sing songs about Jesus. We didn't just come together and hear sermons about Jesus. We came together last week and we got to be the hands and the feet of Jesus last week. I mean, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm that every day of the week. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a weekly thing for you for someone in Denver, Colorado to call you and say, hey, I believe in what's happening there. I want to write you a check for $5,000. I, I mean, that probably happens to you every week. That's just really common. You know, like that was not God at all. No, are you guys like the winds are changing. Like there's something in the air. It's okay. I'll preach to myself tonight. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on one whether you're with me or not. But I would like for somebody to match my energy tonight if we could. 2019, 2019 was a good year. 2019 was good for us. 2019, we as a ministry, we reached new numerical heights. We grew as a ministry in a way that we've never grown before. We unleashed compassion in a way that we've never done it before. But I believe that 2020, there are greater things ahead for this ministry, for your life, for your future, for your relationships, for your finances, for your education, for wherever it is in your life. And I promise that tonight's message is not only going to propel this ministry into the next chapter of what God has for us. My prayer is that propels you into the next chapter of what God has for you this year in 2020. So tonight's message is titled Pioneers and Trailblazers. Pioneers and Trailblazers. You've probably heard this before, but I feel like it was a great introductory for what I feel like God wants me to share tonight. African impalas can jump 30 feet in distance. African impalas can jump 10 feet vertically. That's pretty impressive. I don't know about you, but I myself, I can barely touch the bottom of a net of a basketball rim. But an impala, the bottom of their hoofs actually can touch the top of the rim. Just standing still, vertical jump, 10 feet in the air. An impala can jump 30 feet forward. It's in their DNA. It's in their genetic code. It's what they were actually created to do is to be a, a creature of, of, of swift athletic achievement that that when you see them running across the plane you're almost in awe it's poetry in motion but they do it so effortlessly they stride and they make gains as in a way that it, it's unparalleled by most other creatures that share a similar genetic code as them they can jump 30 feet and they can jump 10 feet high 
but yet they can be conditioned to not leap over a fence that's four feet tall. They can be conditioned. I don't know if you've ever been to the zoo and you've seen an impala, but what typically happens, they are caged behind a four-foot fence. They're, they're not an aggressive animal. You can, you can actually pet them. Like You can get that close in proximity to them. How is it that a four-foot fence can keep an individual, keep a, an impala, who is able to jump 30 feet in distance and then 10 feet high? How is it able to quarantine that animal? I don't understand it, right? But what happens in the genetic code of an impala is that if they are not able to see where their feet are going to land, they refuse to jump. And you cannot be a pioneer and a trailblazer if you're terrified of not knowing where your feet are going to land when you jump. You will continue to be confined and quarantined to your current status of life until you're willing to leap in faith, not knowing what is on the other side of that frontier, not knowing what is on the other side of that obstacle, until you're willing to trust God with the response of your obedience, you will continue to live a stagnant, stale life. But if you want to live as a trailblazer and as a pioneer for your family, for your future, you have got to be willing to leap into faith, and no matter where your feet land, you're going to trust that God has the provisions necessary for wherever you land. And you see, we find this in the book of Numbers. We find a bunch of impalas scared by a four-foot fence. You see, the children of Israel are now on the precipice of going into the promised land that God had promised them. You see, this promised land was spoken about to Abraham. Abraham, leave and go to the land that I will show you because you will be the father of many nations. Go. This is that same land. This is that same territory that was spoke to, to Abraham and then spoke to Moses that the miraculous exodus that we see in the book of Exodus, when we see the multiple plagues brought upon Pharaoh, that was God's divine intervention of wanting to usher the children of Israel into their promised land. That was God's foundational pieces of saying, you guys can make this leap. Let me put it into your genetic code as my children of Israel that the God who created the heavens and the earth is the same God that is ushering, out, ushering, ushering you out of the oppression of the Egyptian Pharaoh. And God performs miraculous act after miraculous act after miraculous act. He turns the river to blood. He puts locusts, a plague of locusts, a plague of frogs. He, he, he goes above and beyond. And then he, he ushers the children of Israel with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That is a phenomenon. Uh, it's never been documented before, only in scriptures. The only way that I could liken it is that there was a tornado ushering them forward, clearing the path so that the sun would not be scorching them, there'd be a continuously cool breeze wherever they go, and the terrain was open wherever they put their foot. Then there's a pillar of fire by night so that they can actually see at the darkest moments, they could actually have warmth and safety 
that that bright fire would actually dispel any sort of wildlife or, or any sort uh, of harm that could come their way. I don't know about you, but if I were to see a pillar of fire streaming down from the clouds, my first instinct would not be to run towards it. Somebody's like, I'm a pyro lighter. Like, <laughs> yes, I love it. No, no, that's not the case. The natural instinct would be to run away. So God performs miraculous act after miraculous act after miraculous act to get into their code, to usher them to where they are currently at. He would literally feed the children of Israel with manna. They, would, they, don't, they wouldn't even know where it would come from. It would just show up. God would literally be the best Uber Eats on the planet. They're on, they walk out of their tent and there's their food. It's right there. Someone say Hot Pocket. <laughs> the, the original Hot Pocket. That's funny. So now we find Moses. There on the horizon. There is the frontier. We have colonized up until this point. But that is where God is calling us. So what he decides to do, he gets a leader from the 12 tribes. And he sends them into the land for 40 days. And he says, I want you to do a reconnaissance mission. I want you to let me know what do the cities look like. Are they towns or are they fortified cities? What do the people look like? Do they look like they would be terrifying and ominous or do they look like they would be meek and peaceful? What does the vegetation look like? Is it actually flowing with milk and honey like God foretold to us? So he sends them out for 40 days and there are 12 spies that go into the land and the 12 come back. And this is where we pick up the passage in Numbers chapter 13 verses 27 through 33. Yes, I'm reading out of the message translation. And yes, if you are a uh, apologetics theological guru and you've got your criticisms of the message, deal with it tonight. We're using it. Um, I love the translation. It says this, we went to the land to which you sent us, Moses. And oh boy, oh boy. Look at your neighbor say, oh boy. That's kind of weird, but I just figured it worked. And he goes, and they say, it does flow with milk and honey. It does look the way that God foretold you. And just look at this fruit. The only thing is that the people who live there are fierce. See, what you've got to understand about, that, about the fruit, some of you may know this, may not. <laughs> they took a bushel of grapes, and it was so big, they had to put it onto a pole, and the grapes were actually the size of their head. That's how big the grapes were. That's how plentiful this land was. <coughs> they say this. The only thing is that the people who live there, they're fierce. Their cities, they're huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak, the Amalekites, are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites hold the hill country. There's so much content just in the names of those uh, those people. I don't have time to go into it, but I, I, if you would ever want to do a study on those actual coloni colonized people, it would blow your mind on the significance of them. And the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan. Caleb interrupted. Caleb interrupted all the negativity. Caleb wanted to interrupt the narrative of, that everyone else was spinning that the land is good, but we're not capable of taking it. 
Yeah, that God promised us, but there's no way we could ever inherit it. Caleb interrupted. He called for silence before Moses and said, let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. I want you to hear that. You can do it. Whatever it is this year for you in 2020, you can do it. Yes, insert Adam Sandler quote. You can do it. You can do it. But the other said, no. So it's 2 verse 10. I don't know if any of you have ever felt this way where you have hope, you have faith, you have a conviction, but it seems as if the unanimous culture around you don't share the same values. That the culture around you doesn't have similar perspectives. I don't know if you've ever been there before or not. But it seems as if you want to stand up for what is right, but then there's the oppressive voice of opposition that wants to suppress it. But the other said, we can't attack those people. They're way stronger than we are. Then they spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. They said, we scouted out the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallows people whole. Everybody we saw was huge. Why, we even saw the Nephilim there, giants. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers. And they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. I want you to know this. They, they said that they spread scary rumors. I wonder if a false statement has held you hostage from inheriting your promises before. I wonder, I wonder if there's been something false that's been declared over who you are, the type of person you are, and I wonder if it's held you bondage from, from actually moving forward to what God has for you next. But you see, in order to be a pioneer, in order to be a trailblazer, in order to venture into new frontiers, there's something that we've got to understand, and I want to just even look at the word pioneer. So you see, that's what God was calling them into. He was calling them to be pioneers. And so the first word is actually defined as this. A pioneer is a person who is among those who first enter or settle a region, thus opening it up for occupation and development by others. One who is first or among the earliest in any field of inquiry, enterprise, or progress. One of a group of foot soldiers detailed to make roads, dig entrenchments, etc. in the advance of the main body. See, what's crazy to me that the very same people that were spreading the rumors were holding hostage the pioneers to actually open up the door and the roadmap to get them into the land that God had promised them. I want to ask you this, in 2020, do you have people in your life that spread negativity instead of positivity into your life? Do you have people that you're trying to pioneer something new in your own life, but they remember that mistake you made when you were a sophomore or a junior or in high school, and, and they refuse to let it go because they continuously identify you with your mistakes more so than your maker? They spread scary rumors among the people. But Caleb and Joshua said, we want to be trailblazers. 
The next definition is the word trailblazer. The person who blazes a trail for others to follow through unsettled country or wilderness. They are a pathfinder. And for some of you, maybe you come from a family tree of divorce, substance abuse, limited academic achievement. And you're currently on the path and the trajectory of being a trailblazer for your family because you want to be someone that actually finishes school. You want to be someone that gets out of the lineage of poverty in your family tree. You want to be someone that when you get married, you stay married. You want to be someone that you don't just say that you're married, but you actually work on it and you actually enjoy your spouse. You don't just tolerate them. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you want to be someone that you get out underneath of the shadow of just being a failure or a disappointment. Maybe everyone in your house is pessimistic, negative. Maybe there's just a looming shadow of depression over every aspect of your family. And you're going to be the first one that begins to pioneer and say, no, there is hope. That there is light. That there is a way. That there is a truth. And this year of 2020, I'm praying for that, not only for this ministry, but for you. That whatever you set your hand to, it will prosper and it will succeed. That whatever happens in your life, I pray that God will use you to set the example to be a pioneer. You are going to go into unsettled territory. And for most of you, that front, that, that, that landscape could simply be, what if 2020 was a year void of anxiety? What if? What if you actually had to dedicate this year and consecrate this year of saying, God, I'll trust you even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to make the conscious choice to say, Father, you're faithful even when the circumstances around me seem to be more persuasive, more influential, and they outnumber what I know that you've spoke to me privately that publicly people try to discredit and discourage. What if this year you said, God, I'm not going to be fearful of what other people thought. What if... You've yet to live a year of your life free of anxiety. And you're terrified. What does that horizon look like? What does it mean that I don't have to operate that way, think that way? What if you actually dedicated one year of your life ever since you've been, maybe ever since you've been 13, you've been desperate to be in a relationship. And you've always been doing whatever it took to get into that relationship. What if 2020 was a year of personal fulfillment that you didn't need anybody else to make you feel fulfilled of who you actually were? That's terrifying, right? <laughs> you mean I actually have to depend on God for my identity? Yes. See, pioneer... And trailblazers, that's who we are. But frontier, that's where we're going. That's our destination. And you see, the definition of frontier is this. It is the part of a country that borders another country. It's a boundary. It's a border. It's a restriction. The land or territory that forms the furthest extent of a country's settled or inhabited region. The limit of knowledge or the most advanced achievement in a particular field. This is, the, this is one of my favorite ones right here. It is an outer limit in a field of endeavor, especially one in which the opportunities for research and development have not been explored. And I begin to think of that not just for our personal lives, but for the church. 
I believe the church in 2020 is going to break into new frontiers. And I believe the only way that the church is going to be ushered into that frontier is if pioneers and trailblazers in 1825 begin to blaze a trail and say, this is possible. See, I believe everything that we've known about the gospel and the church and how it operates in culture today, we've reached the borders. I mean, really, like, what else is new anymore? What else is breaking new grounds? I mean, social media has been around now for a few years, and I really like, is social media going to be what propels the church to the next level of impact and reach? Or is it just going to be a group of people that are willing to say, God, I'm a pioneer and I'm a trailblazer, not only for myself personally, but for us corporately as a church, that we will move forward, we will advance in compassion, we will advance in our convictions, we will not settle, we will not back down, we will not retreat, we will not worry about what the other ten that recruited, that, 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 that scouted out the land would say. We are the two that will say, God, we know what you spoke to us, we know what you promised to us, we know what our inheritance is, and we will say this is possible. But we're too busy waiting for permission. You're waiting for permission. You, one of the reasons why I think Moses did what he did, he was scared. As opposed to just simply trusting a God that already gave them enough provision and sustenance to get them to this point. He retreated back to his own behavior where, if you remember, when he was confronted, he ran. When God called, he ran. When God commanded, he made excuses. And it took God time after time after time after time to empower and to embolden Moses. What most of you don't realize maybe about this story, maybe some of you do, you're biblical scholars. But God at this point was frustrated with their disbelief in him. The next chapter then goes on to say that God was so frustrated, he was about to wipe out the entire race of his children. But then Moses pleaded, God, no, 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 don't do it. No, we're not ready. He's like, no, 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 don't do it. And God then goes like this. He goes, as a result of your disbelief, of your disobedience, and your disregard of my power, my authority, and my provisions, this entire generation that experienced the exodus will not experience the promised land. What if your lack of obedience and trust in God this year doesn't only prevent you from inheriting God's promises, but it prevents those in proximity to you from experiencing his presence as well. No, we don't want to talk about that, Blake. That's too serious. What if this year you actually decided, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to pioneer into uncharted territory, and everyone who walks in my wake will get to experience the results of my obedience? Because I'm not looking to get the recognition. 
See, I'm not looking to get the accolades. I'm looking for the glory to go to God. So when that happens, I don't need a pat on my back. All I want to do is fix my focus on what is ahead on these new frontiers. And let's begin to make ground in our life. And let's stop playing defense. What if the church actually started to play offense? You see, here's the thing I want to encourage you with this year. If you've got a vision that can be achieved without God, then that is not a vision. That is a project. A vision is something that requires God's participation in order for it to succeed. <laughs> a vision that can be achieved without God, that is not a vision. That is a project. A vision is something that requires God's participation in order to succeed. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of God's word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. What I found in this is that when you actually adhere to what God has revealed, he will give you the tools necessary and the fulfillment to achieve whatever it is that he's called you to do. So stop worrying if you don't have the resources, if you don't have the uh, other people to depend upon. God doesn't need other people to fulfill the promises in your life anyway. If God spoke it, he'll bring the sustaining forces necessary to get it forward. Where God guides, there's a cheesy statement, he will always provide. If God is going to guide you, he will provide for you. We've got to trust in 2020. But here's the thing. For some of us, there are some things in your life that can be accomplished this year without God's participation. There are some things that don't require vision, but they do require discipline. <laughs> That's called prioritization. It's called growing up. Some of the dreams God has given you have been postponed just because of your poor decision making. That's really what it is. Some of you are like, man, I want to be more diligent and fervent with God's. I want to know God's word more so I can reach more people. But you refuse to get up early and to read it. Poor time management. You're like, man, I've been feeling really fatigued recently and I want to get back into shape. Well, eat better. Like, it's just simple things. You're like, man, I've been feeling really negative recently. I've been, been feeling really, like, just pessimistic about what God has for me. But yet you still keep going around that toxic, negative person. That speaks it over you. What if you just stopped going around that person? And you're never going to be a person of hope because your poor decision making keeps leading you back to be around that toxic person. Oh, come on. I'm just giving, I'm just giving you facts. I'm just giving you facts. See, there's a domino effect when it comes to poor decisions. And then we blame God for the fact that we haven't inherited the destiny, the promise, and what we feel to be the plan for our life. There's a domino effect when it comes to lack of discipline. And there's a domino effect that you can see in the book of Numbers. That their disobedience had a domino effect that cascaded through generations. So, for example, let's just, maybe you just lack discipline financially. Let's just go there. I mean, I know all of you in here are going to be Fortune 500 company owners. I know you're very, very uh, acute with knowing how much is in your bank account currently. I know that you know exactly how much you owe in bills, how much you have going out, and how much comes in on a biweekly basis. But for some of us, maybe you're not a very good steward financially, and you lack discipline. So what about this? 
Poor discipline financially leads to reduced options. I don't know if you know this or not. If you don't have a lot of money, that limits the options that you can do in life, right? So, for example, if you reduce your options, you can't afford Whole Foods because you don't have enough money. You can only afford fast food and cup of noodles. But then fast food, cup of noodles, typically leads to poor health, right? If that's constantly all that you're eating, but then poor health leads to a bigger waistline. And a bigger waistline demands a gym membership. But because working out at home isn't an option for you because you already lack discipline financially, you don't have the discipline to force yourself to work out, but you can't afford a gym membership. So you gain more of the freshman 15. And then you start losing self-esteem. And now since you've lost self-esteem, you start making decisions to escape the frustration and the feeling of, like a failure. Now you're like, I might as well just try some substances. I really don't like who I am. I don't like the results of where my life is at. And then self-hatred starts to come in. And then you're like, I just need to feel better about myself, and I'm willing to give myself away to anyone that will make me feel better in a moment. So then meaningless sex becomes part of your routine. So you start to spread rumors about yourself in your mind, like they did in the book of Numbers. You start spreading rumors about yourself to justify your destructive behavior. And now you're more convinced that the accumulation of your failures of your past Cast too large of a shadow onto your future, and you'll never be successful at anything. Notice I just started at poor financial decisions. Something that simple that we're not willing to give to God can actually have a domino effect in our lives. And then we want to blame God for the fact that we feel so insecure or so inadequate. But what if we actually were to look at the genesis of how that all began? Maybe we identified with a poverty-stricken mentality that we, we, we derived from our parents. And then because of that, we just felt like we're always going to be poor. And because we're always poor, we make poor financial decisions. And because we make poor financial decisions, we don't feel like we have options in life. And since we don't have options in life, we start blaming God for the results of our poor decisions. When God says, no, 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 I've got more for you. Stop listening to the gossip in your mind and start believing the results of God's word. See, but that happens in faith as well. If you discover that you're loved by God, that love reveals purpose. That purpose produces a passion to be productive with your time. You read the Bible and you pray, you gain insight, and now you're fearless with sharing your faith. Others are intrigued by this radical change and want what you have. And notice all of this was void of a title or an office. That, 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 that all that changes simply happened because you discovered that there was a truth and you decided to live according to that truth. And that truth sparked an action and that action produced a habit and that habit helped you produce an identity. What I'm asking you tonight is to determine within your soul this year in 2020 not to flinch, not to back down because of opposition. I'm asking you personally to dedicate this year of saying, God, whatever it is that you've called me to do, I will unwavering, un I can't even talk tonight. I will be unwavering in my commitment and in my faith to you. I will trust you, God. I will not be like the ten spies that went into the land and they got terrified and they retreated. I will be one of those individuals that believe God is capable, God is able. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. God, I will rely on you in 2020. 
I'll be honest with you. I'm already two minutes over, but I, there was a point in my life where I wanted to quit. There was a point in my life where if I made a different decision nearly a decade ago, I would not be standing on this platform. There was a point in my life where if I would have made a different decision, I wouldn't be married with three kids. There was a point in my life where either I was going to trust God and his promises or I was going to magnify the problems in my life and exclude God from any part of my future. And I vividly remember that when I was 18 years old, God spoke to me. Yes, God still speaks. And this is what I interpreted. I'm not saying this to you, but God, I felt God speak to me. He says, Blake, I'm going to ask you to write the next chapter of a church. Like, what does that mean? Like, well, I don't, Back then, I didn't know, but now I'm sitting in this. Decades later, and I'm starting to see God's promises then come into fruition now, but there were marks along the road where I could have deterred, I could have quit, I could have tapped out. There was a point in our marriage where I wanted to quit. I wanted to get a divorce. We had to go through counseling and reconciliation. And now our marriage is better than it's ever been. We've got three amazing boys. We're believing for a fourth in this current season right now. Believing for a baby girl. But we got a diagnosis this last week that the heartbeat stopped. The blood circulation is no longer present. And in that moment, we did not decide to say, God, you're not faithful. No, we said, God, you are faithful. You are true. And we decided to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For those of you who know the Bible, you know where I'm going. For those of you that don't, these were just three radical dudes that their life was on the line. And they had the choice. Either you're going to bow your knee and compromise, or you're going to stand in faithfulness and trust God. And we said, God, we know that you're able to resuscitate our baby's heartbeat. But even if you don't, we will not blame you. We will not be mad at you. We will not be bitter because of it. Because you are good in season and out of season. You're good on the mountaintops and you're good in the valleys. You're good when people are for me and you're good when people are against me. You're good. And we're praying tonight. We're going to be praying for our baby. And we're praying that on Monday when we go back in, I want to see a shocked look on that nurse's face. I want to see awe and amazement because now there's this powerful heartbeat. But guess what? Even if there's not, you're still good. You're still good. So you've got to choose tonight. You can either be a pioneer or a prisoner. And you can launch into new frontiers or you can just stay in your past failures. But I'm telling you this, we're moving forward as a ministry. And if you're scared, if you're worried about what's next in your life, don't worry. We're going to be right there with you. Fear is present. Scripture says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? We're going to walk through the valleys. We're going to walk through shadows. But notice, I walk through it. 
I will fear nothing because you are with me. And if that's you and you're in this room tonight and you're saying, Blake, I want to stand firm into 2020. I don't know what lies ahead. Maybe some of you do know what lies ahead and you need God confidence. You need some faith to rise up even in your own soul. You need to remind your own soul right now that God is good. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to your feet. You're saying, Blake, I need perspective. I need to be a pioneer this year, not just for myself, for my family. I need to be a trailblazer for those that work in proximity to me. I need to be a trailblazer for our small group. I need to be a trailblazer for my own church because, Blake, I don't even go to Bayside. I go to a different church and something's stirring in my heart and I want to take what God is doing here, there. And that's what we want because we're all the body of Christ. If you win, we win. If we win, you win. Can I tell you guys a little secret? I'm really excited that Bayside is going to grow this year because I know that it is. is Bayside's going to grow. But you know what I'm most excited about too? That the church of Sacramento, the church, regardless of denomination and affiliation, regardless of the name that's over top of the steeple, all I'm worried about is the name that's being preached from the pulpit, which is Jesus. And I want to see the kingdom of God advance this year. So we're going to sing this song, and we're not going to sing it as defeated captives. We're going to sing it as victorious pioneers. We're going to sing it as victorious trailblazers, because guess what? Your family's going to walk into the wake of your obedience. You're going to leave a ripple effect of whatever you do this year, that people are going to get in proximity to it, and they'll say, I've never been here before. That's right, because we've blazed this trail for you to experience it. I, I, I don't think I'm preaching good enough. I, I don't think I'm doing this word justice. Because I really feel like there should be a response in you. Because I know that what you're facing right now, your life is not exactly how you want it to be. I guarantee you there's family members in your life that don't believe the way that you believe. I guarantee you there's people in your life that don't have the hope that you have. And this needs to be a year where we have a resolve and say, God, we're not turning back. We're moving ahead. So God, nothing else. We're not going to settle for anyone else's opinion. We're not going to settle for anyone else's agenda. God, all we want is you. All we want is to walk into your plan, in your promises, what you have for us, God. I pray for, for families that are on the brink of divorce. God, I pray for futures where people are getting ready to hit the eject button because they're tired, they're exhausted, they're worn out. They, they felt the original call, but now they want to quit. God, I pray for a resolve, for a strengthening within their inner man right now, God. God, we give it to you. We give it to you, Jesus. We ask that you be in control. You and nobody else. In Jesus' name.